time to ham up. Oh my god, I really try hard. Shut it down! Somehow it's the best. After the credits. A Yum Chunks podcast. Yum Chunks! Hey, clear the way in the old bazaar. Hey, you let us through. It's the Yum Chunks crew, and welcome to episode 36 of After the Credits, a Yum Chunks podcast. I am Matt Chewy. Here with me today is Sean Davis. Oh my god, I'm still reeling from that intro. Oh. I'm here, though. <laughs> Brian Davis, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Good, good to hear. And Chris Schmidt is a here, I think? Yes. <laughs> you sure about that? Ask again later. <laughs> Way to keep that energy up there, Chris. Fair enough. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> definitely definitely didn't uh, kill our momentum there. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, here we are in another episode of After the Credits. Tonight we're going to be talking about the uh, latest in the series of Disney live-action remakes of nostalgic 90s animated movies, this one being Aladdin. Uh, but before we do that, how about a, uh, a rousing trip around the chunk fire? What do you say? Ooh, I want to warm up near that does, fire. Does one take a trip around the, the junk <laughs> fires? Yeah, that's what you do with bonfires, right? Are we collectively, like, <laughs> chanting around this as we tell our stories? I imagine it's just sitting on a log. Just Yeah, like... I, I don't want to be moving around a fire. I could just sit. Well, it. we'll let the listeners decide how we are, you know, engaging with this fire. Well, that's the beauty of, of it just being audio, is that you have to fill in all the visual <laughs> blanks yourself. Yeah. Well, uh, that being said... Sean, hey, how you been? Hey, I've been doing pretty good. Uh, so I don't have a lot of original material this week for my Chunk Fire story. So I'm, I'm just going to kind of piggyback on things that have been brought up, um, if no other reason, to show that, hey, I take your guys' recommendations. Oh, good. Um, so one, I, I saw Longshot, which I believe Chewie said you had seen and enjoyed. Yes, I did. I also enjoyed. Yeah, it was it was good. It was, uh, it was a modern... Um, rom-com that was enjoyable and funny and sweet so yeah i mean i think maybe probably you'd agree it doesn't mess with the formula too much but it's no um, yeah it's, but it's it's good it's a good time yeah um and then i believe vince mentioned this from last episode but i have been watching chernobyl the hbo miniseries has anyone else started that or watched any of that no that was vince's no. recommendation though no. It wasn't a Vince It was, yeah, it was. Yeah, oh, it was. Okay, okay, so. But we ignore his um, recommendations, so. Yeah. <laughs> well, I won't give him credit then. But so for some reason I started watching it. Uh, but it is very, very, very engaging and like um, horrifying and gross and captivating and really good. It's a really good thing. And it's also crazy because us here in Southern California and the San Onofre I just kind of, I constantly am just like thinking as I'm watching, like, oh god, oh yeah. god, and I don't know how much of it's true in terms of the specifics that they go over in the show about it happening, but man, we were so close to just like, like half the world being just like yeah. dead, wow. like it was crazy how close, like obviously when it exploded, the surrounding area was really bad and people were whatever poison stuff but just like how close they were to the other reactors exploding there and if that had happened it would be basically like a 40 megaton blast i don't remember the specifics but essentially like a 30 kilometer radius or more would have just been just you know incinerated and then 
uh, 200-kilometer radius would have been, like, dead within a week. And then all of the air and water in, like, all of Europe and Eastern Asia would have been, like, just... No one mm. could live there for 10,000 years. Like, Jeez. it was just, like, insane. And it was literally just, like, well, that didn't happen by a couple hours and then by a couple days. Mm-hmm. That, that Good thing that didn't happen, I guess. But anyways, but it's really good. And it's only five episodes, so it's not, you know. And it was only, like, 80, 86 or something. It wasn't, like, it's recent in the scheme of things. So. Right. Well, that's horrifying. Yeah, so, <laughs> so fun. That's a scary chunk fire story. Um, uh, yes, not a and, lot of scary stories. And I'll, I'll, my last thing will be a segue into Ryan because we watched it together. But we watched this film on Netflix called yeah. Rim of the World, and it was a movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it was. It's like this. Uh, Mick G directed it, by the way. So maybe that itself gives you an idea. (laughs) Good. But it's like this, it's kind of supposed to be or wants to be like this Stranger Things. Well, not strictly Stranger Things, but that kind of nostalgia, kids saving the world, bikes and summer summer camp. camp. It's summer camp. So all those things aren't in and of themselves anything wrong with it. But it's constantly just like playing with all of the known like cliches. There's quote-unquote homages to pretty much everything. Jurassic Park, E.T., Alien, I don't know, Gladi, I don't know, just like random things. Some of it that doesn't make sense. And there's moments of charm and kind of funniness, but I don't know about you, Ryan. I don't know how you felt, but I felt it was kind of obnoxious on the whole. Yeah, some of it was, I would describe as embarrassing. Um, yeah, I'm yes. not quite sure. It does, I felt embarrassed watching it. I, I, I have no reason to be embarrassed, but that's the emotion I felt. So... But is there it like go. secondhand embarrassment, like when you're watching The Office, or are you embarrassed for the people who have created this? Yeah, I feel I like think it's more the, the second one because it was Mick G. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah it is more the second. second. Um, I think overall, I decided I did like it. Overall, I, I've convinced myself I did, but um, yeah, I can't say it was good. Well, yeah, well, then don't I had moments of entertaining, but. If you see it, go at your own risk. I don't think Ryan and I are going to defend it. So, I mean, I definitely wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend it necessarily. No, I agree. So, anyways, that's that. Um, But what else, Ryan? Other than Rim of the World, Um, I started watching this show. Yeah, transitioning to the chunk fires, making our laps. Um, I started watching this show called Person of Interest, which I think everyone is aware of. I know I always was, but I never gave it any you know a second the thought jonathan like, oh, nolan show yeah i didn't realize it was jonathan nolan um and anyway i started watching it and it is a procedural i guess you can call it a crime drama but it's actually better than i thought it was going to be it's kind of interesting um i'm only in the f- very early maybe a couple of first few episodes so i can't necessarily recommend it yet but i'm making my way through that okay um, huh. All right, that's interesting because that shows off the air now, right? Like it ended a couple years ago, didn't it? I think so, um, but I think there is at least five seasons. Um, yeah, it had a pretty good run. Five um, seasons yeah. comprising 103 episodes. Thanks, Wikipedia. Yeah, <laughs> I know Jonathan Nolan's doing the Westworld show now, right? Yeah. Right. So exactly, um, and I'm I'm not actually a fan of Westworld. Um, 
I mean, I'll still acknowledge it as being like a well-made show and stuff like that. So he, um, you know, maybe this is where he cut his teeth. I really don't know his whole history, but um, yeah. Hmm. Uh, besides that, I've just been listening to the the new Vampire Weekend album and new Jenny Lewis album, but I haven't really been watching uh, any movies or television other than what we already mentioned. So, yeah. There you go. What about uh, what about you, cool. Chris? What <sighs> stories do you have to tell us about chunk fires? Oh man, give me a moment to catch my breath from all this laps, all these laps I've been doing around this this, this fire here. Everybody's been constantly running in circles around the fire this whole time, right? Yeah, yeah I mean, I but mean, I'm not I, as far like Chris. As far as this narrative is, we've all built a separate fire in our kitchen. <laughs> uh, so I mean, I mean. On the uninteresting front, I guess. I've just been working. <laughs> Please tell us the most uninteresting parts of your life. That way there's the, the interesting parts after, I guess. I don't know. I mean, my life is not interesting, I guess. Uh, no, I mean, just busy at work. Uh, E3 is, as of this recording, like a week and a half away. Oh, yeah. That's exciting. Uh, Are you going to be working at Chris? I will not be working it. I will be going. Oh, what about That's you, like- Sean? I will be attending as well, but I am not working it. Ooh. Sony Sony ducked out. Yep. Hey, we did an episode on E3 last year. Should we do that again? Oh, maybe. Because I mean, what? I think it... Does uh, anyone want to come up? I could possibly get people... We could possibly yeah. have a... I would want to go. ...party. I yeah. mean, um, Sean, normally... Oh, well, I guess we can. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm avoiding Chris crap. is about to incriminate all of us but... I, Which is why I was, I was trying to change the subject <laughs> No, I'm avoiding crowds at the moment But uh, uh, okay. but I wouldn't mind hosting again So there you go Cool. Uh, what else, Chris? I know your life is more interesting than that Here, Chris, let me ask you something The okay. Death Stranding trailer came out today What did you think of that? I mean, it's a Kojima game, so it's obviously the greatest thing since the last thing that he did. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's got a little baby inside of somebody's esophagus giving you the thumbs up. I mean, what more do you want from anything? <laughs> uh, but no, uh, I'm super excited to spend $200 to buy that collector's edition so I can have a life-size fetus in my room and just have that as a, a little talking piece. It's just too bad you're started. forced to do that, and you can't just buy the game at normal price and enjoy it like a normal person. But then I wouldn't have a life-size fetus statue in my room. I don't understand that life, Sean. I don't understand how people could live with that. Um, no, I mean, uh, I was, uh, I don't want to say bummed, but I was, I was a, it, the fact that the gameplay is very reminiscent of Metal Gear which mm-hmm. isn't a bad thing at all. It looks very similar to Metal Gear Solid Five, which was a great game. It had great gameplay. It's just I don't know. I thought I was I, w- I was going into this expecting him to break out of that mold completely and take hard left turns. But yeah, the shooting parts of the trailer were the most uninteresting to me. So yeah, but I did like him running away from vehicles in an open field and turning around and just punching people. That was pretty funny. Uh, also the the music matched well with him pulling a ladder out of his thin air but no this the game's gonna be great and i was also very surprised with the release date because this would make it like the shortest 
development cycle for a Kojima game since I've been alive, it seems like. Hmm. It's only like a three-year dev cycle. Three, four, maybe? I don't know. Yeah. So I saw someone joking that um, the announcement trailer and all the stuff for Death Stranding came out in the amount of time it took Square to come out with one new teaser for the Final Fantasy VII remake. <laughs> it's true. Square is amazingly slow. Uh, yeah. Uh, other than that, I have been... So I, over the past couple of months, I've kept my mouth shut about this because I wanted to finish it. But now... The first season is over, and I can talk about it. Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol, I cannot recommend enough. One of the best superhero uh, shows. Definitely the best superhero show I've seen. Probably better than nine-tenths of the movies out there as well. It's just so unique and funny, and it really embraces... Fully embraces that comic book element that I don't think has really been captured by the movies or shows to date. Just like that bizarre, that bizarreness that you can capture on the page that you can't really capture in film. They somehow managed to do that with this show. And I mean, it was nice to see Brendan Fraser getting work again. Uh, and. I, I don't know. I can't recommend that show enough. It's I think I think Ryan and Sean, I think you guys would dig it. I don't know about you. What's it uh, on? It's on that DC <laughs> Universe oh. site. Uh, Why would I like yeah. it? I was only kind of paying attention, sorry. Oh. Is it because it's DC? Dang. Is it because it's DC? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, all right. I mean, my, my favorite comic book movie of all time is a DC movie. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, what do you want? Jonah Hex, obviously. Yeah, 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 Jonah Hex. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's it wrapped up as as amazing as it started. Just balls to the wall craziness, and I'll have you I know, I I wrote this as you were talking into my what to watch uh, notepad file. So I good, my reverse psychology works. No, this was before <laughs> before you, I'm, I I delete I've deleted it after you said I wouldn't was I wouldn't be interested in it. I said, oh, Chris doesn't think I'm going to be interested, so I I went I immediately deleted it. But yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> like you ever listen to me? Wow. Hey, Chewy, how you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm doing fine. Um, but before I talk about what I am up to, I'll talk about what I'm not up to, and that is uh. Currently, and this is probably the most significant pop culture thing in my week, currently uh, Disney's doing the opening media ceremony for Star Wars Land at Disneyland, and they're streaming it. So I caught a little bit of that before I joined on with you guys, but um, it officially opens on Friday, and it's been in the works for several years, and it's the single largest expansion of Disneyland in the entire park's history. It's absolutely massive. It's adding, like, like, once it opens, it'll make up, like, about a fifth of the park. Um, wow. so, uh, yeah, it's, and also they're not opening the whole thing right away. There's a big giant, there's a major ride that is behind there. I've, I'm told they're still working the bugs out, so it's not going to open until later in the year. So I'm probably not going to visit until they've got both the big major e-ticket rides open. But yeah, Star Wars Land is opening this week, which means all the media coverage and all the fan sites are going to be writing reviews and all kinds of stuff about it. So that's kind of. For me, as a big as a Star Wars fan and as a giant Disneyland fan, that's kind of like what my week, like what I'm kind of focused on at the moment. Um, other than that, uh, I saw Detective Pikachu again. Um, 
not not out of a great wanting to see it a second time, but it was just kind of a when in Rome opportunity came up and I saw it again. I'm pleased to report it held up the second time. I enjoyed it just as much. Um, and on the note of Detective Pikachu, we got a couple comments in some of our one on Facebook and then uh, one or two on uh, YouTube in regards to it. So we'll actually have like we can call we can I mean we could call those viewer viewer letters, but uh, we're not going to just so that they don't qualify for the. Uh, the uh, the secret prize that activates after we yeah. get five. Um, those have to be emails. Those have to, to be emails. Solely because we haven't figured out what the prize is yet. So, <laughs> <laughs> Sean, Sean, feel free to cut that out if you want. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna make it louder. Okay, good. Uh, anyway, yeah. So we have a couple just things about to t- Pikachu that I'm gonna read and bring up at, at, after our main conversation. Uh, aside from that, uh, title of the creator's new album, uh, Igor, just came out, uh, in, I think in the last week, and it's incredible. I've been listening to it on loop. I've been playing uh, Mario U Deluxe on my Switch a lot. Um, I, I recommend that one a lot. I think it's probably so far my favorite 2D Mario game since Mario World on SNES. It's, it's very good. Yeah, I got that uh, when it came out a couple months ago, and I also enjoy it. Because it also came packaged with, like, the uh, Luigi stuff. Right. The new characters, and yeah, it's just just good old Mario good times. I mean, yeah, for one thing, it's a ton of content when you consider it with the fact yeah. that it's two full games. But also, yeah, um, I just love how the map is very reminiscent of the old world maps where... Mm-hmm. Some of the because this is part of the new Super Mario Brothers series that started on the Wii and on the DS and yeah. everything. All those, all those games, the maps were very just like a straight line, and there wasn't a whole lot yeah. of thought put into it. I like that this one actually feels like a real place, and it has the secret uh, exits in some of the levels, so that you can take different routes around the map like you could in Super Mario World. Um, I like it, because I like things that are familiar to me. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just uh, it's a good time. It's, it's, it's fun. And I'm also trying to work through it before Mario Maker 2 comes out in uh, June, which that I'll have infinite mario levels forever so uh trying to trying to get these ones knocked out uh and then yeah. uh this is really random but uh mave and i decided to watch through all of uh uh in related to the main topic today we we decided after seeing seeing aladdin to watch through all of fresh prince of bel-air uh because it's it's one of her favorite tv shows of all time and i've never watched through it i've only seen a couple episodes here or there and it's it's like a, when I did the Simpsons watch through a couple years ago, it was the same situation. It's a show that anytime I'd seen it, I always enjoyed it, but I never like bothered to watch it or or keep up with it. So mm-hmm. we're going through Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And then also finally we're watching that show Nailed It on uh, Netflix, the one where they bake the cakes and they're yeah. Te- terrible. Yeah, that's a, that's a great time. Um, yeah, that's a good time. That, it's fun because uh, one of the episodes they were talking about because you see all the goofy backstage stupid stuff that happens when they're making the show like oh yeah just the pas messing stuff up and like them yeah. shouting stuff to the directors off sta- off camera and the host said something like this tv show is the nailed it of tv shows like because mave and i are watching it constantly going is this a real show like who's in charge of this production like do they just let anybody make netflix shows like this is not even anything and then the contestants none of the contestants have any experience baking and it's just like the old lady who's the guest judge is just taking shots of vodka and just wandering around backstage (laughs) it's a fantastic it's it's incredible uh i love it so much did you see the episode where that the um the guy from uh, Super Troopers, the what, what is that that guy with the mustache? 
Yeah. I mean, he just like leaves the set. He just like he was the guest he goes host. Goes to get Starbucks or something. He leaves to go get Starbucks in the middle of the show, and she's like, uh, "Are you coming back?" <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. I just saw that one. He had. He was like, "Oh, my my kids need to get picked up. My, yeah. I'm having babysitter troubles." And then yeah, and, he and then he comes up. back way later with Starbucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that show's a mess, and I love it. It's incredible. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah. That's. That, those are all the those are sadly all the most significant things that have been going on in my life recently. So uh, there you go. I think I'm the last one to share around the chunk fire this week. Yeah, you are. That was it. Excellent. That was, uh, Did everybody get good card, their cardio in. Yeah, I'm real tired. Yep. I, now I got to yeah. take a seat. We should. We should all it's sit down and have a long conversation about something that we're interested yeah. in. And, and on that, well, you were speaking of things that you were familiar with and that you liked because of that fact oh ho, ho. oh so that leads us into aladdin which is da, what we're going to talk about um sean you get to recap it this so, week oh yeah well before we get into recap and discussion spoilers obviously for everyone who's familiar with the original um thousand and one night <laughs> shahrazadi's tales yes yes if you haven't read them yet there's a thousand and one of yeah. them um I mean, everyone's read them, so obviously. Right. But uh, no, yeah, spoilers. So anyways, what happens in Aladdin? What happens to Aladdin? Aladdin's a street rat, right, guys? No, there's so much more to him, and you'll find out. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's a street rat in the city of Agrabah, a thief, making ends meet by stealing and eating and looking out for the small guy. Um, he meets the princess of the city, Jasmine, as she's disguised in the town. They have a bond. Um, he sneaks into the palace one day and um, is captured by the evil vizier Jafar of the of Agrabah, who sends him on this um, secret uh, mission to go to this ancient cave of wonders, where there's hidden a secret treasure, a lamp that Jafar wants, and Aladdin's the only one could get to it. So he goes in this magical cave with his monkey. Oh, there's a monkey involved, everyone. I, for, I almost forgot about that. Um, his monkey, Abu, they meet a magical flying carpet, and he finds a lamp, and Will Smith lives in that lamp, and he comes out, and he, they talk, and sometimes they sing. And the Will Smith makes Aladdin rich and powerful, and they fall in love. he falls in love with Jasmine, and Jafar is angry and jealous, and he gets the lamp and turns powerful. And how are they going to stop him? Well, oh, he Aladdin tricks him, <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> All right, they, and then they get married. Aladdin and Jafar. You keep saying <laughs> yes. they. Anytime you said they yeah. in that description, I assumed that you. I'll meant let Aladdin. people interpret who the they is. They want. I'm just going to let them go see the movie and just realize how wrong you were for most of it. <laughs> anyways the lesson is don't be evil um well be evil to a certain extent but then stop being evil um anyways that was aladdin um so now what did you guys so how first of all let me let me ask this how familiar and how much did you like the animated aladdin because that was probably my favorite disney animated movie who are you asking? Every, I'm asking everyone. He's asking they. That can hear me at this moment. Viewers, tell uh, us what you think of the original Aladdin. 
They love it too. <laughs> they whispered. All right, I'll go. Uh, yeah, I really like the original Aladdin. I mean, I was exactly the target audience, target age when it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's of the '90s Disney movies. It's probably the mo- most action packs one yes most targeted for boys i think and also most adventurous it's the mo- most adventure one and also i think it's probably just the f- outright the funniest uh and mm-hmm. not even just because it had robin williams but i think just the script is real plucky and just it's yeah. just very fun and quick and um yeah and it's it's a good time plus it has a whole new world which is my favorite probably my favorite princess song from any of those classic disney movies so uh i like the original a lot um, was that the question? Was this was I saying anything? Yes, else? good answer to that question. Good. I mean, you get five hundred dollars along along those same lines. I also was the right age when it came out, and it's like with you, Sean. It's probably my favorite uh, classic Disney film. Is it considered classic? Is it, well, is it's classic it's the Renaissance era. I yeah, don't. Want, okay. I mean, I don't want to get all pedantic and explain all the Disney eras. It's not important, but you know. All right. Well, nonetheless, it's. My favorite Disney film. Good. This period. Cool. So, yeah. Taking a stand. I, I stand yeah, I also that. enjoy Aladdin quite a bit. I don't know if it's my favorite, um, but yeah, it's of the Renaissance era. It's uh, it's really good. Well, they're all really good, but I loved it. Yes. Good. Cool. All right. So now that we all have our expectations so high, um, adapting one of our favorite of the Disney films. What do we think of um, the new one? What do we think of live-action Aladdin? Um, I'll say that um, I am not any less cynical about the intentions behind all these live-actions. I'm kind of bitter and sick of the, the fact that Disney's doing all of these. Um, and I'm not going to pretend that this isn't just like a cash grab like the other ones. That being said, I think this is the first one that outright worked for me. Um I liked uh, I liked Jungle Book a, a good amount, but this is the first one that I have any desire to watch a second time, and I might actually go back and see again. Um, a lot of the things that I was skeptical about going into, or that looked bad or dumb, I was surprised by how much I enjoyed. Not everything worked for me, but um, yeah, I don't know. I really, really liked this. I enjoyed it quite a bit. <clears throat> wow, surprising! Not, well, not surprising. I don't. I didn't think you would not. But it's surprising. Um, I, I think it's surprising. Yeah. I, I I'm surprised by how much more I enjoyed it than I thought I was going to. <clears throat> Interesting. Yeah. I mean, along those lines, I also enjoyed it a lot. Like, obviously, not better than the animated by any stretch of the imagination. But I mean, it was fun to sit down. It was so similar to a degree that it, it'd be hard to hate it and then not hate the animated version. But yeah, I mean, like like Chewie said, it's the the motivation behind it is crooked. But at the same time, it's Aladdin. It's the same. It's almost essentially the same exact movie. So, well, with a few differences that I we could talk about yeah. later. But I actually do think there are some things they did to improve, which you know is what I think they did. Up. I did this some things better, but they also, in the process of making things better, made other things worse. Yes. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Ryan, what did you think? Yeah, I, I was pretty surprised too. Um, I guess surprised at how much I didn't dislike it. Because, um, <laughs> you know, I think, I don't know, I, I walked in with low expectations, mostly because those trailers did nothing for me. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I walked out, I was like, oh, this, there was some scenes that really worked for me that I was like, oh, wow, that I'm, 
that was impressive. That was good. But then there was a lot of scenes that I was kind of cringing or just not like, we'll get into those, but I would say I'm kind of like, I'm split. I'm there's some things I like, some things I didn't overall. I, I don't think this is nearly as good as jungle book, um, in terms of these remakes. Uh, but it, I don't know. They're all this kind of bleh. I mean, without getting too far into it, I feel like Jungle Book is going to be the one that everybody compares these movies to, and it is really the the outlier in terms of what what was open to the the creators of it, right? Like the the original Jungle Book animated movie had very little to do with the original content. It was more of like they took the characters from the book and kind of towed lines of similar plot threads, but overall it was vastly different from the book so when they went to remake it they were able to just do the book which is what the remake basically is all these other ones that they're doing other than like when they go rogue with maleficent and i guess this corella deville thing that they're doing but like when they do this aladdin the beauty and the beast and everything that they were already like they're just copying the source content you mean the you mean the animated source content their original film yeah, but I mean, like, I feel like if you were to go back to the, what, 1001 Arabian yeah. Nights or whatever, like, I, I, don't, I don't know if that would translate in the same way. Whereas the Jungle Book is modern enough, I think. Yeah, I know that, but yeah, uh, that, you, you, you said that they're just copying the source material, but I, I think you My, mean not. Well, the, yeah, well, okay, sure. I mean, yeah, I'm just trying to clarify what you said. If I don't want to put words in your mouth, but um, well, regardless, uh, let me say what I thought. Uh, I also did not hate this film, which was not. I wasn't going in wanting to hate it. Um, and it's funny that you guys all liked it as much as you did, because I was kind of half expecting to kind of be defending this film, even though I don't love it. Um, but I think we're kind of all on the same page. Um, it yeah, it's not something that I don't think is worthy of hate. But I will like kind of pose this question that we can maybe answer near the end. Do you think it justifies itself? Um, by which I mean we've been kind of talking about Jungle Book, and I also agree that's my my favorite of the action ma- remakes so far. And it's mainly because I feel like they're they attempted to do something different. Like it it felt like okay, this wasn't just the animated film. Now whether that's an ad, you know, it's because they adapted the original story. I don't know if that's what you're saying, Chris, but at least it felt different enough that it's like, okay, this is a, it's a different enough film. They're doing something different. They're saying something different. They're having a different take on these characters and world to me that kind of justified, but the ones I disliked and honestly, the only one I've really seen is Beauty and the Beast. And I did not like that one because to me, it was like, why they just, just go watch animated beauty and the beast there's nothing you could get from this film that you can't get from that from the animated film mm-hmm. at least yeah, in my mind cinderella was nothing to write home about either yeah and so to me that's a bigger kind of like you know sin than it being i don't know quote unquote bad as as long as it's trying to do something interesting or different and i think aladdin kind of walks a fine line because i do think it does in some ways but in other ways and a lot of the more obvious ways it doesn't. Anyways, we'll get into that stuff. But I don't know, just a question. I don't know if you guys thought about it. We could get come back to later. Absolutely. Do you think this film justifies itself? Yeah. Well, well, Anyways. That'll be the finale. 
Yes, we'll build to that. Exactly. See, we're setting it up now. Um, so, well, what what were some of your favorite parts then? If everyone actually somewhat enjoyed this, um, why did you guys like it? Uh, all right, um, I loved how obsessed this movie was with jam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that scene Beautiful. actually was that, really good. I like that whole scene. Yeah. Um, I like when he turns Aladdin into Prince Ali, and Aladdin says, this is a big hat, and the genie <laughs> says, that's not a big hat. And then two scenes later, at the beginning yeah. of the musical number, <laughs> genie is wearing the biggest turban I've ever seen, and it explodes <laughs> yeah. into confetti. That is incredible. That is amazing. That, that was great. Sean, I've already answered your question. Does this movie justify its existence? <laughs> Does it try to do anything new or push boundaries? I think I've already proven my point with my first two points. I mean, does anybody disagree that Will Smith kind of just carries this movie on his back? Um, uh, I disagree. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's why I posed the question. I wasn't expecting everyone to just agree. Um, well, I don't know. So I, I did have a lot of thoughts about that. One, I he was not nearly as... Well, as the trailers or, you know, he was, the, he was, he was Will Smith. <laughs> well, he was just Will yeah. Smith. And, yeah. and as much as you could say that's a fault, I mean, honestly, so was Robin Williams. I mean, right. they literally wrote the role of Genie for Robin Williams. So it's not like right. you'd claim like Robin Williams somehow embodied some other character. Like, no, it was right. the same thing. So I was, I, I felt like for the most part, I actually enjoyed his performance. The parts that, like it felt where he was just they were just kind of playing the same beats as the Robin's Williams genie as opposed to the Will Smith genie that's where it felt like and eh, he's just trying to they're, they're just trying to kind of do the same thing right the the stuff that worked the best for me when it was when it felt like authentically like the Will jam Smith scene. and i think like yeah like that <laughs> or the scene where he's like just in the desert with Aladdin talking to him right. and um, and actually did not like the romance, but at least that was Will Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, the, the the Will Smith, the genie romance with the handmaid, oh, right. which we get into later. We'll talk about that. But at least that was Will. That was that was something completely him, or at least you know, well, well that character. While we're on the topic of Will Smith, because it's such a big talk- topic, we may as well linger on it for a little while. But um, you know, I, I saw the trailers, and I the first time <clears> they revealed Will Smith in the trailer, I was like, oh man, like he's just. Will Smith ended up so much. And I think in a trailer, it doesn't really work. I think the reason it worked for me in the movie is because it's the same reason why Robin Williams does. Like, when Robin Williams appears in the original movie, it's so jarring. It's such a big shift in Mm -hmm. tone for the movie. And there's an adjustment period. You have to go, oh, okay, that's what this movie is going to be now. Right? And, And I feel like it's the same thing with Will Smith in this movie. It's still an adjustment. But once you've adjusted... To the fact that, okay, this character yeah. is this magic character that is breaking the fourth wall. It's a different flavor than Robin Williams, but you, I think you do adjust to it. And I think for me that once you, once, once I did, it totally worked for me, um, yeah. in a way that I wasn't expecting. Um, and yeah, like you were mentioning, when they, he was trying to do, when he was trying to emulate Robin Williams, I think a lot of it was like specific quotes and lines from the original movie that yes. that were so like they felt iconic that he had to read yeah and it's like well you didn't need to, I, I don't know i to, for me that wasn't well it's important. weird because there's so much of like so much of his robin williams was improv but those lines become pivotal to the plot like well we gotta have this line but he so it's just like it's hard to separate right. For example, the, the line from the performance, uh, "Phenomenal Cosmic Powers, Itty Bitty Living Space." Yes, I'm yes. sure. Right. I'm sure Robin Williams improved that line, but I didn't need it. I'm sure. I'm get. I'm, I bet there are people who would have been upset if it wasn't in the movie. But like, 
I don't need that specific line to be in there. Whatever Will Smith's yeah. version of that would have been, I would have been probably fine with. I mean, along those lines, yeah. I was also, I, I mean, I, I obviously still very much enjoy, but I was a little let down by the new rendition of Friend Like Me and also Prince Ali. Because I was hoping with, with Will Smith being that actor that they would have catered it more to him. But they, they both of those felt just so much in tune with just the original version. And so I was, I was, mm-hmm. I don't know. It was just, it felt, I was like, I imagined with Will Smith being cast that they would go in more of a hip hop direction, which they did a little, very little of, but like letting him kind of change, change it. I don't know. It's funny you say that, Chris, because I think the music was probably overall my favorite part of the film. Um, I think partly because, you know, it, it uses, it goes off of the original pieces from Alan Menken, right? So it has a strong backbone that everyone can already gravitate to if they're already doubtful about the film, mm-hmm. like I was. Yeah, I mean, I didn't, um, I didn't so, dislike the music. I still very much liked it. I was just hoping it would have been a little bit to, more to the extreme. Yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying, but I think the parts where he kind of did change it up, or which were very far, few and far between, I think would have felt kind of like oh they're like too heavy-handed like oh it's will smith so of course he's gonna do some rap scene or mm-hmm. like i don't know I, that, I don't i mean i didn't we didn't get to see it i guess so i don't know but i think it, we saw I a little of that uh, a little of that in the prince of lee scene which really works yeah for me. a little bit um i gotta i gotta take a second yeah. just to call out chris real quick um because i i this Uh-oh. is this is at least the third time third episode where sean asked all of us what were things we liked about the movie and his answer was let me tell you something i didn't like <laughs> what? <laughs> so, <laughs> I'll go find it. I'll go find at least two other episodes where you do that to, to back up my. I case, started this I'm... with I liked Will Smith. <laughs> oh, <man. Anyway>. okay. <laughs> but I I have to disagree with Ryan. I or well, Ryan, you said that the music was one of the things that worked really well for you. I think yeah. I think for me that was one of the weaker aspects of the movie um, because I felt like a lot of the musical numbers were really they felt very uh, overproduced. Like they felt really. Uh, music video-y like um it reminds me of uh and it's it's a bad comparison but uh the opening to the beauty beauty and the beast uh the br guest scene with emma watson where she's kind of like really auto-tunes and everything all the all, all the music just feels really disconnected from what's going on on screen i don't know did anybody feel that at all or? i i definitely I, felt um, that well, with the second version of that speechless song which i like the song but i definitely felt mm-hmm. it with that <laughs> Well, so yeah, let me go ahead. Yeah, let me clarify a little bit. I guess I think so. The highlights for me were um, Prince Ali and um, Whole New World. The speeches song, I thought she does a great job on it, but that the way that scene plays out, I think, is awkward and clunky, and overall not good. Um, I think awkward and clunky were the exact words Maeve and I used to talk about that scene when we came out of the movie. I think those were the yeah, exact like it, words we said, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think her vocal performance is still... I think she was a great singer and overall performer, I think. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I actually kind of... I One of my notes for one of my favorite things was the music in general. So I, I kind of agree with Ryan in terms of my reaction to the songs. And I do think that's playing on the nostalgia a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, ironically, though, because I think in the, in the uh, original, my favorite... Or in the animated, my favorite is One Jump. Mm-hmm. And 
this that might be my least favorite of the of the of the songs in the live action. I think I like um, Prince Ali and Friend Like Me and Whole New World better. And I think this might be what you're getting at, Chewie, about the overproduced. And I don't know if anyone else noticed this. And I only really noticed it in the about. one jump, the speed up yep. and slow down. I knew you were up, say like that. it was really weird and I awkward. hated it. Uh, with one jump, I will say that as a, I loved that scene as an action scene. I hated it as a musical number. Yeah, and I, uh-huh. and I, I, and I, uh, I feel similar with the, and I'm, I'm going to go off topic about with the Aladdin stage shows that exist. But I feel similarly with the Disneyland production. It's just kind of like mm. it. Like I love seeing all the parkour stuff. This is what I was talking about in the Sonic trailer episode, where like. Prince of Persia should have been the movie that broke the curse because it so e- seems so easy to make this kind yes. of movie. Uh-huh. One Jump is what I wanted the whole Prince of Persia movie to look like. It was so fun. Oh, it yeah. was so action-packed and just, like, adventurous, you know, and mm-hmm. that's that's the kind of stuff I, I thought really worked about this movie. Um, but but then, yeah, it felt like th- there was a dissonance between the action and then the, the fact that it was trying to also be a musical number felt felt weird to me. Yeah, like, there's one, there's one shot specifically that I remember... But it's like it slows down. Yeah, where it's like where he's jumping, and it's it, the action has slowed down, like mm-hmm. deliberately and noticeably. It's in slow motion, but the song is still being sung in real time. Like, right. yeah, she's like, "What is that? Like, I I can't wrap my head around what's going on. It's just weird." And then other times, it's obviously sped up, and and it just is like I don't know, just strange. And it was just like one of those things. Like, did they need to to make sure it fit the the timing, the tempo of the song? Right. Like, oops, right. we recorded this wrong. They filmed too much footage or something. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's just strange. I just imagine an but, editor yeah. sitting there for hours going, I can't make the scene work any other way. I've tried 50 different edits. Um, so that was kind of unfortunate because, yeah, that was my, I think that's my favorite song from the animated. But I do agree. The action in it was fun. And then kind of going off of what you were saying, the clunky and awkward of Speechless, I mean, I, I also agree. I think the performance was fine and the song in and of itself was fine, but I did not like it in this film. I just didn't feel like it fit mm-hmm. yeah. to me. And it reminded me of frozen and obviously my opinions on frozen, notwithstanding it's, I'm not saying it reminded me of frozen. Therefore it's bad. I felt like it just tonally did not fit in this film. It just was the wrong kind of song. Like, I guess the way that kind of helped the easily identify is like all of the songs, even brave or uh, a whole new world are fun. In my mm-hmm. eyes, like, right, all of the Aladdin songs are fun, but, like, Speechless didn't, didn't feel fun. Right, I, I uh, this is a, this is a, um, yeah, so they, in the stage adaptations, there's the Disneyland one and there's the Broadway one, and, I mean, this is a, a fault of all of the Disney musicals, because they're, the movies are an hour and a half long, so you can only put so many songs, but yeah. they always bothered to cast these really, like, amazing Broadway veterans, and then the princess would get, like, one song, and you're not... It, it's it always was so strange to me that they would give your leading actress one song. Oh, yeah. So when they go to do these adaptations, they have to give her more, more music. And in the stage ones, it's usually like a like an I want song, like a lamenting, like, oh, I wish I yeah. didn't have to be the princess. I wish I could go and have an adventure. And I think that this movie tried to make her a little bit more of a strong, like a little bit more d- dynamic character. And I could see why they wouldn't yeah. want to do that again, why they wouldn't want to give her a passive, oh, I'm sad I'm trapped in the castle song you know i can yeah. see the the i can see the thought process there like oh let's give her a i want to take destiny in my own hand song but again like when you're taking a character from the animated one that's written a certain way and then you're trying to smash her into this new mold of this new yeah. idea of the character i think that's why the song doesn't work because it's you're having the two ideas 
clash against each other and it feels weird you know yeah for sure um kind of going off of that though though just with with jasmine um it's interesting like you're kind of mentioning how like you know um traditionally the princess has like oh woe is me kind of song with someone would rescue me or i don't know whatever right. the, whatever the with but if you I, I have just recently gone back and watched the animated aladdin um Actually, I think I mentioned on last podcast, I was on a, a guest on a friend's podcast called What Were We Watching? Eric Ambler, he wrote in a couple weeks ago. Um, great podcast. Everyone should go check that out. But they we watched uh, the animated land and talked about it. And I, I hadn't seen it in a couple years, but I was surprised at how um, much Jasmine was already like a, a great, strong, active character mm-hmm. in that film. She was not a damsel. She's not passively just kind of waiting for things to happen to her. She's quick. She matches wits with Aladdin. She was already like a fairly empowered female character. Um, and so I, I like that they maintain that, but I think it was interesting the direction they took with her yeah. where it was very much more, um, focal, uh, focused and, and I don't know, honed to be like political almost. Right. Um, and I don't know how I feel about that. I, I'm not saying it's good or bad. I personally I don't know if you guys have liked about that, though. I have the change. So, I mean, your comment about the old one, uh, okay. which obviously I agree with what you're saying, but she didn't really have drive either in the original, right? Like she was just kind of meandering. Yeah, like she yeah. didn't want to be trapped in there. That was like her drive, right? Well, I think that's kind of a symptom a little bit of the of the original too in terms of the theme. I think it was more that she right. was driven to Where, not be trapped. Right. So they which, gave her you're right. It's not yeah, something so they like gave you her don't a have drive, a goal like per a purpose yeah. in this one, right? Which I felt worked yeah. overall for the better, except in that second verse of Speechless. I felt like just that whole thing being in her yeah. mind all of a sudden was very jarring and mm-hmm. weird. But I mean right. beyond all that I really liked um, it. I thought she had Thanos <laughs> powers. I uh, I want to see if you guys know. I have a lot of thoughts about Jasmine and how she's depicted in this movie. But do you guys notice the change with the pole vaulting scene? When it, yes, yeah, I did not like that change, well, I, and I'm not sure why they changed. I didn't that, like but... it at first, and then when I talked about it after the movie, I came to love it. And here's why. Um, okay. So in the original movie, uh, Aladdin's like, "Oh, we're gonna have to jump this thing because this is how the life I lead." And she doesn't hesitate. She grabs the pole and she vaults across buildings. Yeah. In this one, she hesitates. And I, at first, when I saw it, I went, uh, why are they doing that to her? Like, that was one of the things we liked, that Jasmine's spunky and she's a go-getter. But you think about it in the context of this movie, about, like, what her drive is and, like, how she's trying to be a more dynamic character. She's, by doing that, they make her more unsure at the beginning of the movie. And then think about the end of the movie, she's basically the sultan. And as Uh a kid, even, even as a little six-year-old kid... I remember watching Return of Jafar on VHS. The, and in uh-huh. Return of Jafar, not that this is a benchmark for anything, but in the second Aladdin movie, they're training Aladdin to be the royal vizier because he's going to take over as Sultan one day when the Sultan dies. That's a plot point in Aladdin 2 direct-to-video. And I, then as a little uh-huh. kid, I'm like, Aladdin shouldn't be the Sultan. He doesn't know, yeah. know nothing about politics. <laughs> ja- yeah. I, I was like, Jasmine should be the Sultan because she's actually royalty and knows how the job works. But why are they training Aladdin to be? That doesn't make any sense just because he made... Whatever. So, like, I liked for one thing that that was a plot point in this movie. Um, also, if you've seen if, if yeah. you've seen the parody Aladdin uh, Twisted from Team Star Kid, that's also a plot point in that. Um, so I like that... I don't know if Disney came up with the idea on their own or if they... I would like to think that they've seen Steve, Team Star Kid's version of it. But either way, if you think about it, 
making her a little bit more unsure at the beginning and then having a higher goal to build gives her more of an arc. And that's why I just the little things like that to make her a little less strong at the beginning feels more realistic to me. And I ended up really liking it once I figured out where the movie was going. So I don't know. That's my yeah. I'll think about. It. I guess I could kind of see that. I, I still don't know if I really like it, but I, I understand what you you're don't saying. have to like it. It's fine. You don't even have to think about it if you don't want. It's not no, going to change my opinion. We all must come to the exact same opinion. That's what the point of this podcast is. <laughs> um, any other thoughts on Jasmine uh, or just collectively the emphasis kind of placed on kind of the political so, aspects of this film, like not just being her being Sultan, but like. The idea that they're going to declare war on another nation. And yes, like, I liked all that because a lot, or Jafar is also not as one-dimensional now. Because mm-hmm. if I hadn't seen the original, I'd be, at the beginning I'd be like, well, he's kind of shady, but he's not clearly the devil <laughs> like he is in the, the cartoon. You could <laughs> yeah. almost, if you, if you wanted to, if they had given him one or two more scenes, it could almost be like a... Oh, Jafar is not necessarily in the wrong type of situation. If they'd wanted to go that direction, I feel like they were very close to doing that. That way, at the end, he goes power crazy and turns into a crazy person. Again, you get a more, you get a slightly wider arc than you do in the cartoon. Uh, And uh, I feel like they were almost there. So by adding those little plot points, and I think it it adds a little bit more depth, and it's you know gives makes it a little less a little less cartoony. Yeah. Um. Also, I like the, I don't know that actor's name, but he's in a handful of things. He was in, like, Game Night and stuff, mm. but the guy who played that, the king or prince of what country? Oh, yeah. yeah I, oh, you mean from Maniac? He's in Maniac. Yeah, and, from Maniac and Game and Night. he's in the Star Trek episode of Black Mirror. He's oh, a bunch of random bad guy? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he's, no, no, no not, not that guy. No, 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 no. He, in Game Night, he was, like, the doofus oh, friend yeah. who... Was dating the British woman. His name is Billy Magnuson, I think. Yeah. Anyways, I he's also that... in uh, Kimmy Schmidt, right? Yes. Yes, he is. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. He's a side character in a lot of random things that we've all seen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. And he always plays actually that kind of same character, but yeah. um, that was good. Um, well, kind of going off what you're saying, Chewie, about like fleshing out more stuff, and I think that I think for better and worse, that's so to me like the the live action ultimately i don't know i think it i don't know if it hurts the story overall but it 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 makes like with animation i think there's a layer of like oh we don't care if jasmine doesn't have a handmaiden or the political machinations of the kingdom don't make sense on a surface level because it's an animated wacky thing with the blue genie flying around but when you adapt something live action, those the suspension of disbelief kind of lessens, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to kind of like fill in those gaps a little bit more. And I, I think, I don't know, I think in a lot of ways it helps. Like you're saying with the political stuff, I agree. But then in other cases, I, I it's just a tough spot because I, I, I don't think they needed to do it. But if they didn't do it, it would have been a large gap in things. I don't know what. If you kind of get what I'm saying, does that make sense? Uh, I think I understand what you're talking about, but was there a question? Well, I don't know. What did you guys? I mean, just do you guys have similar thoughts, or do you guys do you, to you? Did the world? Did the questions that they answered, even if no one asked them, feel satisfying to you guys? Like, 
where's Agrabah on the map? Or, you know, like those types of things. It's like, oh, yeah, I guess a normal human would question. No, I don't need that. I mean, I know what you're saying about live action and like this idea that things need to be more real. But I think it's about world building. If If the movie constructs itself as this is the world we live in where the details of maps and specifying your wishes down to the degree of lawyer specificity if mm-hmm. you don't need to do that you, i think it takes away from the movie sometimes um let it be the world it wants to be um and good writing and set design can build that world it can be fantastical and still be live action mm-hmm. yeah i i don't know i think um, for me that it wasn't so far hung up in the uh the details of how the world worked that it detracted for me i ryan in general i agree i agree with you but i don't know that I didn't really feel like that was the intent or the point here so much as it has been. Again, I'll use Beauty and the Beast as a reference where, like, we had to go into this whole side story about what happened to the mother and ultimately didn't add anything. Like, that was Mm -hmm. a lot of screen time. And I feel like that movie does a lot of things like that that ultimately don't add to anything. Whereas in Aladdin, I think it's more casual and it's a lot more situations where it's banter or... The characters, something else is happening. The characters need something to talk about. It didn't feel like it was so shoved in my face. Like, here, you need the answers to these. I'm like, uh, this is Correct. just something they would talk about, maybe. It, it felt a little bit more better integrated, even if that was the intent, which I'm not really sure if it was or not. <clears throat> yeah, no, I, I mean, I don't disagree with that. Um, in fact, I, I th- there are few times that they do spend more time doing, establishing more of a quote-unquote real world. Um, didn't necessarily detract it, but they didn't necessarily add. And I think that goes towards what I think my biggest problem with the movie is, and that's editing. Mm. Um, this movie mm-hmm. is over two hours long for a kid's movie. Yeah. It does not yeah. need to be this long. And the pacing really, I think, suffers from, well, yeah, the, especially in the beginning where it takes us, I think it's over 20 minutes before we even get to the Cave of Wonders. Um and, and, the, and the movie kind of hits these little pockets of where it kind of drags. And for a, a fun movie that we've, you guys have already talked about Aladdin being a little more adventurous, um, just really, really fun and funny. And it's, I think it's part of the pacing, right? It keeps us moving along at a quick pace where you're like, oh, what's next? What's going to happen now? Oh, well, that's crazy. That's funny. That's a musical. That's, or, you know, a song. And this one, it keeps, it keeps hitting these pockets where it drags. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, it, it, maybe sometimes it, it's it, the movie slows itself down to take the time and talk about these quote unquote real things when it's like, well, I, I don't know. I didn't need that. You, you should have just kept it flowing. Uh, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't feel like it. I felt like I felt like the movie didn't feel its length. I was I was surprised beforehand when I found out that it was over two hours long. Because uh, by the time we got to the showdown with Jafar and the he gets the lamp, I went, oh, wow, we're already here. Like they're there's got to be more movie left and i, I don't know i for me it didn't i, I, I didn't feel the length i i think the editing was clunky at times and the pacing did get weird but it felt like it moved i quickly felt for me. i, I kind of agree with ryan i felt like the beginning of the movie the beginning of the movie felt like it dragged i think once will smith showed up that's when time started to really kind of pass a lot quicker and then i would agree more with you chewy mm-hmm. but i don't know like i felt like there was a lot of awkward world building in the beginning also like another thing he's Okay, so they kept turning to Hakeem, right? And they made Hakeem such this key kind of player. But at the end of the day, like, I don't feel like they needed to do that at all. Like, <laughs> I did find that strange. I thought that hit the emphasis on Hakeem yeah. at, the, at the end was weird. Almost as weird as yeah. their emphasis on Jam throughout the movie. 
<laughs> it was strange because up until then he didn't see he just like he had the same role as he did in the animated film like he's a recognizable guard and he's kind of a rival it's kind of but all of a sudden now it's like oh <laughs> yeah. let's get deep into this guy's backstory <laughs> yes that was odd that was odd <laughs> yeah i mean i agree i think the first act is the thing that i think suffered most, which is weird because as soon as the film started it's it actually starts faster than the animated film and so I was actually like, oh, this is going to be great. They're, they're speeding through. They're not going to make it. They're not going to draw it out. Like, it starts right when he's, I don't know, it, it felt like it started. Like, it just does that one long shot of um, Aladdin on the streets and then into Jasmine in the palace and then to Jafar on the cave. Yeah. It's all one shot, you oh, know, yeah. that whole sequence. I'm like, yeah. oh, that's a beautiful But I know, I know exactly where it fails. On. I love it. it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then it, it, slows, it slows down, down as they're entering tweaking and introducing jasmine and aladdin and trying to expand on their relationship right so they it starts right off the bat when they change a little bit of like the whole theft thing right and then the the song changes a bit and then something that's not in the animated which is he steals from her or abu steals from her he then has to return it to her in the palace right and that turns into like this whole thing yeah i mean I kind of get why they did that. I I, exactly. I think that's yeah. where it slowed down for me, or at least the pay. I kind of it's because the kind of back and forth between the palace and he's back in his house, and then yeah. he's singing again, and he's back and forth. And it's and I think it's because I think to a certain extent I understand is that they were trying to build that relationship to make it feel a little bit more earned at the end, so that you kind of like okay, they because in the animated they literally meet one time and then one other time and then oh I love you. I don't even know your name. <laughs> I don't even know your real name. I love you. But and so in this is like, okay, they're trying to play out their relationship. So he's kind of like flirting with her in the palace and showing how, you know, there's an attraction there uh, rather than just like this one, you know, serendipitous meeting. And then all of a sudden they're destined to be in love right. together. So I kind of get why they did that. I, I just, I do think. Also, I don't know, you know if what I, I like missed? Out, though. I missed old man Jafar. I like that. Yeah. I did too. Yes, yeah. I agree. So that was my big. I, the thing is, I really actually like, and you kind of touched on this, Dewey, in terms of Jafar's backstory. And I thought it was great that, like, he was like, I was just like you, Aladdin. Yes. You know, like, I, yeah. I make my own power. I make my own destiny and all this stuff. Um, but I, I didn't like how young he was. I don't know if it's just that actor, the casting specifically, but I, yeah, I, I thought the performance was fine. I just well, didn't I mean, think he was right for well, that. Well, I don't, I don't I, I what I mean, older, old man Jafar, I, think, yeah. Jafar, I don't mean like him being an older person. I meant like the, the, the version that he no. was. Yeah. The detour to the prison. Oh, oh, you're saying, oh, I'm saying I wanted, I just wanted an older, like feeling Jafar. Not like old man, but just someone who felt like, I don't know, he just felt like a young, I don't know. He How just old felt is too, that actor? I don't, I can't, I don't know. No, but I know, I know what you're talking about. You're talking about, uh, who he who holds the gold makes the rules to far the the yes. the, yeah. the bald headed liver spot yeah yeah, yeah the guy in the no that that deep tour would have added too much screen time running time but I, I did miss that that was some, yeah that was, I know. think one of the things that I was missing from this film was a little more charisma from Jafar I think maybe Jafar was has yes. a little more I think that's what, yeah oh yeah and, and they, I don't know realism but like remember at the end of the film when or the animated one where Jafar does. His little song and dance. His, the, he has the, his own little. He has the uh, Prince Ali reprise, the bad guy reprise. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I love that because it it shows. It's like a, such a weird thing for the villain to do, who's super stoic and maniacal, to like break out into song. But he does it in a very charismatic way, where like, you know, villainous characters can be charismatic, and that's one reason villains become. 
yeah. beloved as as much as he, hated, right? So yeah. I think he was missing a lot of that charisma. Yeah, he the charisma and the charm, especially yeah. when he's just with like the Sultan and Jasmine. Like in the original, like in the animated, he's like so sickly, syrupy, yeah. like you know, charismatic and stuff. And you, you know, as the audience, obviously, you kind of like, okay, obviously this guy's yeah. evil, whatever. But it's just like you get how he's so suave and he just knows exactly how to say it. He all of his words just kind of like drip out of him, right? Where in this, he just always seemed kind of abrasive. Yeah, and he was always like muttering and. And mumbling yeah. and just being very like, I don't, I don't like, yeah, I don't know. I did not like that element. And, and maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's less about his age per se, but I just think I felt like in the animated, he kind of, he wore that glove. And then when he took it off and you see him with just Iago and how bitter and spiteful he is, like, that's great. Yeah. Whereas I don't think there was, a, you know, you don't really see that dichotomy in the live action is he kind of, he changes a little bit, you know, you get to know his true motives, but he never felt like a, he was putting on any sort of big show for the Sultan or anything like that. He just always kind of seemed like, I mean, even with Jasmine, he's still just kind of like upfront about how much he disagrees with her. Yeah. And he's never like a, he, he never really like, oh, my humblest apologies, princess. Like, right. like in the animated where he's just constantly like dripping, seeping it on. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Uh, is it worth is it worth bringing up the the lack of Gilbert Gottfried? <laughs> yeah, you didn't like Alan Tudyk. Uh, was that Alan Tudyk? Yeah, that was Alan. Which Tudyk. is funny because he, he he plays the chicken in Moana, right? Yes, he's always. I don't know. Yes, he does. Yeah, and uh, he's, always, he's usually the secret villain in these new wave uh, Disney movies. This one, it was yeah. a secret that he was the villain to me because I didn't find out <laughs> until I saw the credits. Yeah, I don't even think I saw it in the credits. Uh, He's just appearing everywhere. I don't know how I, I, I mean, it's funny because Robin Williams is such, you know, overshadows everyone else in that film, but it's like in any other animated film, if you had Gilbert Godfrey, he would be the comedic. He'd be the Robin Williams. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but he's great. If you go back and like, Gilbert Godfrey is fantastic and I love Iago in general, but like, he's just a great character. One other thing I was kind of surprised about is how much he's like an equal with Jafar in the animated film. Yeah. He is constantly arguing and like sticking up for like, he's just like calling Jafar a jerk and just like, he's the one who gives Jafar lots of like ideas that Jafar actually does. And, oh yeah. He's the, um, he's the protagonist of, uh, the return of Jafar. Yeah, and then he has yeah he has the redemption arc at the end, and then he's in the animated yeah, series. Yeah, animated series. He's, he's one of the of heroes, everyone. right? The, yes, yeah. yes, he is. Man, Iago. Uh, this movie did Iago <laughs> dirty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess they couldn't have. I mean, they could have got Gilbert Gottfried. We didn't need Abu. I mean, the, the stage versions have already yeah. acknowledged that Abu's. Uh, you know, he just takes yeah. up space. <clears throat> I mean, he was only even elephant in like one scene in the animated. He stays he's, an elephant he's, for a long that time. That cartoon elephant is a pretty good cartoon elephant, if I gotta say. That's it a is. good. That's a good Abu <laughs> elephant. That is what Abu would look like as an elephant. So, so here's here's a funny note. Uh, I just noticed that we have not talked about the the main character of this movie this whole time, <laughs> which pretty much sums up how I felt about him that's in the movie. I, that's kind of also guess. how I feel about him in the animated movie, if we're being honest. Really? Yeah. I, well, I don't uh, know. I loved him in the animated film. I mean, Keith, that's why I like the film so much. That's why I like One Jump so much, too. Like, that's my favorite song. Yeah. Is because it's all Aladdin. Like, he was always my kind of, the type of, like, protagonist character. I'd want, like, the thief, who's really clever yeah. and smart, quick on his feet and his wits. And, like, he, like, Robin Hood. Like, he's, I don't know. Maybe it's a little bit, it's not super original, but I, as a kid anyways, I definitely loved Aladdin. And I don't 
Yeah, you, you make a good point, Chris. We have well, Yeah, but I, I, think, I think that's <laughs> what I said is no detracting from Aladdin in the original. I'm just saying, like, I, I, I love Aladdin in the original animated, but he's not in my top three characters of the original either. I, I mean, I think, I think I that know. this is a, a story that has a lot of good side characters, and I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think that carries over for the remake for me. I don't know. He's he's yeah. a little too. Uh, I mean, he's you know he's the he's the the guy you're supposed to relate to. He's the the he's he's fine. But you know you fine. know that that element in the animated version of him being like the like the the pure heart though, right? Yeah. Like you know the he gave, like they still did it in one jump, right? Or right before one jump, where he fed the kids the, the yeah. dates or whatever mm-hmm. that he stole. But I don't know. I feel like the animated version did a much better job of giving him that character to make you care for him more. Where I I didn't really get much character growth out of him past mm-hmm. that point in the live action version, where I felt like I should care about him. Well, I don't. It, it was hard for me to shake throughout. Like I, yeah, I thought he was fine. Like I didn't dislike him at all or anything like that. Um, but there was moments where it was hard for me to shake. Like I could see this guy being the. You know, to to be on my high soapbox, uh, my ivory tower, like the, that 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 good looking actor guy who just thinks he's the like so good at everything, and he is, I guess, whatever. He's a huge in a huge movie, but like, so that is sometimes that idea of this actor who may or may not exist, but in my mind does clash with this idea of Aladdin as this like lowly street urchin who's just trying to get by. It's like, yeah, this guy's probably super like. <laughs> so like full of himself and just like think any any party he goes to or room he goes to he's the center of attention in every conversation everything has to be about him uh, like again i'm projecting uh, sh- i don't know if that's what it, when i'm looking at this character moment sometimes it it, it was that's what i got are, are you sure you guy. haven't met this actor are you sure you don't have history with him <laughs> I definitely didn't meet him at a Starbucks on Santa Monica Boulevard last June. So uh, yeah, no, I don't know. I mean, he could be really nice and not like at all like that. But it's just like you know the classic like drama kid who was just yeah. like yeah, I don't I gotcha. know. It's just Anyways. maybe the air of confidence that he projects and it clashes with his character. Yes. Maybe I guess. Yeah, I I, I kind of got that a little. I bit. Get, yeah, I get maybe. Yeah, this maybe it's in his smile. He seems a little too sure of himself. Yeah, like obviously Aladdin's confident, but I don't. He felt a little smug in this. Maybe that's what I it guess. Was. But I think there was an element of that in the original because it's what is it? It's Full House guy. Who was the guy who voiced him? Oh, yeah, is it's it? one of those guys from Full House who voiced him in the original. It's Bob Saget. Yeah, it was Bob Saget. It was Bob Saget. What? It was John Stamos. <laughs> Was it no, it wasn't. No. But it was one of the. I don't remember. It was... <laughs> Mary Kate Olsen. <laughs> Aladdin. What? <laughs> yeah. Voiced. We're talking oh, about There's Aladdin. No other males in Full House other than Scott Bob Saget Scott and John w- w- Wagner. Oh yeah, he played Steve Hale. Uh, I think he's one of the daughter's boyfriends in Full House. Oh, okay. Um, but this is such a '90s guy. This guy, look at this guy's face. I'm just looking. I'm himself. just looking at his Wikipedia. This is the picture. guy, Sean. This is the guy you described. <laughs> yeah, but when it's just a voice, this is the person you just described. Would... Look, go look this guy up. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna look it. But, but, but the you know the drawing of Aladdin. You know what about it? What, what Scott Weinger? Oh yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> look at it right now. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Jack and mates. <laughs> Take that! All forms of Aladdin. Um, <laughs> None of you are good. Yeah. 
Well, I will say Aladdin had less confidence in the movie than he did the anime or the live action. Yeah. Um, he at least had like some doubts at some point in the movie. Yeah. Actually, this kind of goes to one kind of note that I was going to get into later, but remember, I thought it was interesting um, in the in the animated where he's arguing with Genie kind of near the end when he's deciding not to use his wish to free Genie, and he's like. And Jeannie's like, no, just be yourself. And, you know, she likes you for you are. And, and Aladdin's like, no, it's this prince stuff. And Jeannie's like, no. And anyways, Aladdin, though, says ultimately, like, you, she likes what you've made me. Like, this is all you. But in the, in the, in the, um, in the live action, that beat kind of plays out differently in terms of where those two characters are coming yeah. from. And I thought it was an interesting change. Where Genie almost is telling Aladdin, "This is all me." Right. Yeah. Like, I don't. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, Aladdin doesn't seem as self-aware. The dynamic about that was stuff. a little bit different, and it might have been because of when it happened. Because I did notice, slight side note, that sequence of events were shifted around a little bit, and I think because mm-hmm. of that, it shifted where people were emotionally or growth-wise. And I think that might have been one of those things in this movie. Um, yeah. But I also have to say, off-topic, going to my uh, mentioning that I'm wa- watching through Fresh Prince of Bel Air. I'm only most of the way through season one, but I can't tell you how many of those plots are people telling Will to be himself. And <laughs> it, I get, I'm guessing it t- takes the entire series for him to learn that so that when he becomes an all-powerful genie, he can then pass this knowledge <laughs> on to Aladdin. Makes sense. So you're saying that, Will, this is the shared, shared universe, live-action Aladdin with... Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I, I'm not not saying that. Look, it's seriously every other episode. The lesson is, Will, you have to learn how to be yourself. <laughs> That's not a coincidence. It's not a coincidence. It's a good lesson if you're talented and attractive. I guess so. <laughs> I, think, I was thinking about Will Smith as you were talking about him. One thing I did also enjoy that they kind of tweaked for this live action version was the concept of genies and their kind of freedom to interpret, right? Like, in the original one, it was Jafar was like, I wish to be a genie, right? But uh, in this one, it was Jafar making the wish for more power, right? He's like, I wish I was the most powerful, even more powerful than you or whatever, right? Right. And then he even says it, which I don't think he needed to say, where he's like, oh, there's an awful lot of uh, gray room or gray area in that wish, right? Right. But I I like that concept because that's always been so pivotal to what, I guess, jinns are in historically. Mm -hmm that was mm-hmm. missing from the original version. So, I, I mean, it's not, it's not major, but I would I have liked it, it more. It, I would have liked it more if they had actually done something with it, because to me it was wasted screen time. And it just, if like, if they're going to do that and make it an actual, make it matter. Uh, Cause one of the reasons I actually like the animated Aladdin is that they don't get bogged down in the specificity of wishes that it's like, yeah, we're in a happy Disney universe where intent is the key. Um, mm-hmm. And they make it a point of, for the genie to point out, like, if you say, make me a prince, I'm going to make this prince appear over here, which was a funny joke. So if that was the payoff, then I guess good job. They did it. Um, they got your congratulations. Uh, I guess I wonder if what Chris brought up is the payoff. Because, Ryan, you're mentioning how they set that up in the, at the beginning. I wonder if yeah. I wonder if they were trying to move away from the let's not make it so obviously. Ah, uh, we tricked him into wishing to be a genie. We we needed maybe they were trying to make it more complex, and that was their weird way of setting up like, oh, the genie has the ability to interpret. So at the end, that's how the problem is going to be solved. I don't know. I, mean, I guess, yeah, but it's, it's why clunky. not just? Ha- yeah, it's really clunky. Yeah. 
Well, because it's kind of a weird. That's like they try to do the like you know the kind of monkey's paw right. wish thing, where it's like, right. it's always gonna get back at you, but, but it's but not fully. It never really does. It's until it's, Jafar does it. It's an incomplete. Well, I idea. mean, Genie, yeah. Genie constantly exactly, tells that's what I'm throughout the movie. He's like, oh, you're one of them, or he's like, oh, you're not one of them, right? Like he keeps referring to them as those that get bogged down, not happy with their wishes, right? And yeah. I mean, no, he was getting. He was saying that you're one of the people that will be always wishing. You're not one of the people that's always going to be wishing for more. That has nothing to do with the specificity of wish interpretation. But I mean, I feel like those two yeah. things are intertwined during the story on purpose, right? Like, I feel like once you get to the end, like also with the growth of, between Aladdin and Genie, like they give each other knowing nods right before Aladdin. Uh, pushes Jafar past that point and then Genie's like, oh, there's a lot of gray area. I'm going to make you regret it. Yeah. How many how many people yeah. do you think Genie's turned into other Genie's? <laughs> if he's seen this happen in the past and people are always asking for more power, does he just keep turning people into other Genie's? Mommy, Daddy, <laughs> gotcha. where do Genie's come from? Yeah, maybe that's what Genie was originally. Where did, originally where did their the original reproductive Genie come from? cycle of Genie's. What came exactly. first? Which came first, the Genie or the Lamp? That's so, uh, why genie, oh. genies are so rare, and, and it's such a big deal to find them because a very specific sequence of events has to happen for a new <laughs> genie to come into to, to being. Um, or maybe there's going to be more genies now because are those kids half genie? What does that mean? No, he he specifically said earlier in the movie that he wanted to be human. He actually went yeah. out of his way to say that. I think that was so that we didn't ask those questions <laughs> later. <laughs> well, Here, here's a question that I was but, I was thinking about. Did he? Choose so him? I was watching. Yeah. Uh, the how it should have ended for the original Aladdin, where they make a joke that at the end is like, no, listen, Aladdin, when you wish to be a prince, I made you a prince. I didn't just dress you up like a prince. So that's like all my right. Yeah, that's what so, I always had. So when I was watching this one, I had just watched that, so I had that in mind when I was watching the end, and I never saw like they have that little byline in the rules, but the wish was never undone. So at the same time, it's like they're not breaking the law. They don't need to change the law. He wished to be a prince. He is a prince. Yeah. He fulfills that rule. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's what I mean. I, this is an issue with the original, though, too, or the animated, too. Is like, well, if what Genie is saying, it comes true, then he is a <laughs> yeah. prince. Like, he doesn't need a king. However, you, whatever arbitrary meaning there is behind that title. He has it according to Okay. The so, yeah. Have you guys have you guys seen the uh the stage version at Disneyland at California Adventure? Uh, Ryan, I know you have. Yeah, I watched it with you guys yeah. once. Okay. I have not. Alright. The one of my favorite things in that show is because I always thought it was so stupid in the cartoon, is when Jafar says he wishes to be a, the Sultan. He says, Genie, make me the Sultan. In the stage Damn. in the both movies it's this big magic to do, but in the Disneyland version, Genie goes, Okay. Poof! You're the Sultan now. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And there's no anything. Yeah. There's no special effects. And then I thought about that in the movie because I would have. I thought that would have been hilarious if they'd kept that. Yeah. But they did the big to do. And then the next scene, there's that scene where <laughs> Hakeem is questioning his allegiance. Yeah. And I'm like, well, if what? you're answering to someone who's not the Sultan, then you're. They're still the Sultan. If you're, they're still the Sultan. If you're answering into him, like. The, the, yeah, the, exactly. Like yeah. what? The, the like Sultan hat doesn't have magic powers in it. That means that you have political, <laughs> political powers. Like it's the Sultan is who is decided to be the Sultan. Yeah, it's there's no like, it's not like the 
gravity or like some <laughs> physical like right. law of the universe that this person is sultan is just obviously a construct that yeah. what a waste <laughs> of a wish should he just <laughs> wish to be a sorcerer for the wish number one then he could have done whatever he wanted yeah then you could have made yourself a, a sultan or i don't know I don't know. Anyway, well, what a terrible wish! Yeah, <laughs> dumb Jafar. I'm glad stupid, he's stupid wish. A genie. Well, um, what did you guys think about? I touched on it earlier, but the romantic subplot with genie and girl. Um, well, I did not uh, know that Nassim de Pedrad was in this movie, and I love I, I love her. She's one of my favorites on SNL right now, and uh, I was just happy with any more scenes with her in the movie. So I'm I was okay with it just for that reason. Uh, otherwise, it was weird and clunky. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I was fine with her, but I, yeah, I'm not sure the intent of that subplot. <laughs> well, I th- it was just so Genie can have a wife. I don't think that's what it is. I, I think I think that the animated Disney movies they all fall into the pattern of we have to give the female character a animal so that she has someone to talk to. But now it's not the '90s anymore, so we have to give them real people to talk to. So I think. I think the Nassim Pajad character exists solely to give some like someone je- for Jasmine oh, to talk to, and I more think, than just right than just the, Raja? the right because otherwise it's just her speaking out loud. Jasmine Raja, I am yes. Um, but then when she's there, she's like, "Well, okay." They're like, "What? What else are we going to do with her?" You know what I mean? Like that yeah. the, the genie romance felt very. What else are we going to do with this character that we have to have? Otherwise, it's weird that Jasmine has no friends. That, yeah, that's my Aladdin has, he had no he has a monkey that's also weird <laughs> <laughs> and then he has a anthropomorphic carpet how, like, how does he, he have, have no human how does he, he doesn't have, have any human has friends he stolen from literally every person in agrabah is, <laughs> how does he have no human friends how does he not have at least thief friends <laughs> he's got a lot of women swooning over him or like motherly women like looking at swooning him. over him <laughs> yeah i guess that's true too i don't yeah i don't I don't know. Mm, it's weird. I mean, I, you're. I, I feel that you're right, though, too. And ultimately, that's kind of how I felt. It was maybe punk, it was maybe Aladdin shouldn't weird. have been living on the streets. Maybe he should have spent night after night at a new woman's bedroom. It's a different movie. I feel that's a, that's a weird thing to say, Chris. <laughs> you're a weird guy. Chris. Uh, <laughs> um, People are very strange these days. Anyway, <clears throat> yeah. So, any anything else? Uh, I I have I have one final question. All right. Uh, is it, unless there's is, other people, other things specifically people want to get into. Is it going to be? Me, is it going to be? What's the message of this movie? Yes, uh, it's time for Sean to ask. <laughs> what yeah. is the message of this movie? Sean, it's be yourself. <laughs> no, I don't know if it is. Okay, be whoever. Maybe. I mean, I think that's an element of it. Be whoever sure. you want. Then I don't know. That's the message. <laughs> one of the two. <laughs> Well, I, actually, honestly, I kind of had a hard time interpreting exact the specifics of what they're trying to say here because, like I said, I just saw the original or the animated, so part of part of that was fresh, and I think that one had a stronger, like, clearer message in terms of this idea that power is prison or power is a prison, mm-hmm. right? Um, and in this one, I think they tweaked it a little bit so it's not as clear, and I think it's more about like. We're all constrained by rules and laws. I mean, they're similar. They're related. But I do think there's a difference there. And and I think that idea is kind of constantly repeated. Like, they go out of their way to show that she is changing the law at the end. Mm-hmm. They um, are constantly... Like, everything is kind of reinforced by this idea that this is the role of the part you play in society. This is what this character does. Or, you know, the role you have been, you have been given 
or you fulfill or whatever supposed to play. And this idea that these constraints are kind of like define how we act in, in society. And I don't know if they're enforcing that or reinforce or, you know, subverting that Mm. because ultimately it's not that, well, I don't care what the law is. I'm going to marry him. It's no, I'm going to change the law. Like, right. That's a different message. It'd be one thing if she says the laws don't matter, we should do what's right. That has, that's a different implied meaning than, the laws do matter. I need to change them so that we could do what we want. You know, do you kind of get what I'm saying mm-hmm. here? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the genie does break the law, right? He it takes a lot of interpretation, I guess, with the law. You can say mm-hmm. where he, yeah, I mean, he I, makes and... Aladdin sign the contract even though he's unconscious. I don't know why the genie doesn't just anyway it doesn't matter. But that, but I'm, but I even think that kind of plays into what I'm talking about. I mean, the gray area, I, I think, still fits into that idea, though, that it's still bound by law. I mean, he's even literally signing a contract in that scene. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and I'm trying to th- – I had some other examples, but I, I'm drawing blanks now. But uh, it's just something I kind of noticed kind of throughout. Um, yeah. and, and like I said, it's pretty similar to the original in terms of those aspects, too. Like, I don't know, things like, you know, in the Cave of Wonders, it's the rule, don't touch anything – and then he touches something, right? Like, that's in the original yeah. animated, too. That's fine. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, I don't know. I just was curious if you guys had any thoughts on what's what's the message? What do you get from this? I mean, I kind of agree with Chewie. I feel like, especially in this version, with what they did with Jasmine, I think the be yourself, be true to yourself, uh, holds more true than even the power thing, right? Like her whole speechless song is revolving around her not being who people want her to be, but her being true to herself. I mean, it's in, basically in the lyrics itself. Yeah. Uh, Sean, I, 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 I hear what you're saying and understand your points about kind of like how the law is looked at in this adaptation. And I am tend, I tend to lean more towards that. This, these, these fall under the nuts and bolts of taking a cartoon, adapting it to live action having to make some adjustments because certain things need to work a certain way in live action. And then as a result, having to explain those things, I feel like you get into that weird, what we've talked about in other adaptations, but you get into that weird gray area of like what needs to be realistic, what doesn't. And I think when you're talking about the legality, when the legality of certain things factor into the plot, then you actually have to address some of those things a little bit more than you did in the cartoon version. I'm not sure that that really, in my mind, affects what the point or the message of the story is because i think ultimately it, it's probably a lot simpler I, I don't know does that make sense yeah i mean and you're probably right i mean i i don't disagree with that either but i do think that these um you're right in terms of them having to justify it in a more realistic sense but i do think these are deliberate like choices they make oh yeah and i think a lot of these subtle subtle things as much as they it's it's easy to dismiss them and i and it's easy to, like, discredit or, you know, just wave them away as, like, oh, they didn't think about it. I don't know. I, I think I think I always want to try to give the filmmakers as much credit as possible, right. even for these small decisions. And I, I think it's not happenstance that these decisions were made for those changes. And that kind of brings me to the kind of back around to what I started with. Do you guys think this film is justified in terms of it being different enough, saying something, meaning something, telling a story that's different or, you know, um, that that justifies itself existing outside of the animated film. Boy, I mean, who am I to say whether a movie deserves to exist or not? Um, <laughs> a podcaster who talks yeah. about movies. <laughs> um, 
No, I. Uh, I mean, does, is it justified in existing? No, no. But I mean, I really enjoyed it, and I probably will enjoy it again. So I mean, I'm glad it does. But no, like I said at the beginning, I, there's still the part of me that can't shake the cynicism behind. I mean, there yeah. like every single animated movie from the 1990 to like 2005 has like a live action remake in the works and yeah. that's so just uh well all right that's what give people what they want and i i, I i'm not going to pretend that that's not the reason this movie exists that's not the sole reason that's because that is mm-hmm. um but i mean they did all right this time and i liked it so all right you know whatever yeah that's where i'm at yeah, it's a tough question because, like, if if you were giving me the power to snap my fingers and this movie wouldn't exist if I deem it unworthy of existing, that's mm-hmm. that's a hard, yeah, I, you know, that's a hard question yeah, I, to answer, yeah. right? Because, I mean, maybe it doesn't maybe, have to be binary. Maybe it doesn't have to be an sure. ultimate black or white. Is it justified or not? I guess maybe like on the spectrum of, of the other live action interpretations, where does it sit? Um, I don't know. All right. Yeah. I'm, whatever. I'm not, right. not going to grade it on on quality. I'm grading on a how well did it justify his existence? I'll give it a C plus. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I would give it a, a little bit lower than that. Um, for me, like uniqueness and creativity and originality hold a lot more weight. Hmm. I think for me, when I'm judging something, mm-hmm. which fair or unfair, that's just how I do it. Sure. Yeah. But um, yeah. So. To me, this movie didn't do enough different um, to justify its existence. Um, the thing, the things that they changed were so obvious that they changed them. Yeah. Uh, like, you're watching a scene, you're like, well, yeah, I've seen this movie a million times because I've seen the animated movie a million times. And when they change a line, like you, we were pointing out already, it's obvious, right? The fact that we're noticing that one line change as being so obvious tells me that, well... That means the movie is 99% the same, but there's these one little percent spikes that yeah. happen where we notice a difference. And to me, that that proves that it's not it doesn't stand on its own legs. Um, so I would I would overall say no. However, I think I do agree with Chewie that I did there was a lot I did enjoy about it. Um, it so yeah, again, I don't. It'd be a weird thing for me to have the power to make this movie not exist. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Chris, what do you think? Uh, I mean, I guess boring answer is I probably agree with Chewy almost word for word. Uh, you were C- the live act ad- live action adaptation of Chewy's animated answer. Is what you're yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not adding a whole I'm lot. Right. <laughs> um. So yeah, I mean, I so it's kind of a weird conundrum because I completely agree ryan you said it perfectly in terms of like the the details and the line you notice one line be different but everything else, essentially everything is the same right yeah um and except to me and we're going kind of going back to thematically now whether you agree with me or not but just it doesn't matter i think to me i do think thematically it was different and it, it's weird because when you take something and you adapt it in in my opinion i feel adaptations you are you should be free to change anything and everything with the exception of maybe what the message of the work is, right? Like that, that's kind of one of the core things. Like what, like there's no point in adapting something if you're going to change the complete message. If your movie's about, you know, 
murder is bad. Well, I'm going to remake that story. I'm going to say murder's good. Like, right. well, you're not really remaking that story, are you? <laughs> um, so it's kind of a weird thing because I think on the surface level, everything is the same. But I do think there's some minor changes some, or some weird changes, subtle changes to some of the underlying thematic elements. And so to me, it's like, well, those are significant changes, but really everything doesn't change. So it, it's like I said, it's a weird conundrum. I don't know ultimately how I feel, but... I'm just going to say no, it doesn't justify itself, <laughs> just because. But that I will, I did enjoy it. Uh, it wasn't without its charm. Oh, well, it sounds like we all... So we didn't get anywhere. I just sounds, talked sounds like for we, no we all ended up in the same, same place, though. Yeah. But, you know, hey, we're all kindred spirits here, aren't we? <laughs> um, so there you go, everyone. Our wishy-washy answer on how good the live-action Aladdin was. Look, you'll probably like it. I don't know. There you go. Yeah, what do you want from us? We don't know nothing. <laughs> All right, is that is that put a does that put a wrap on the Aladdin talk? <laughs> yeah. Good, because I want to talk about Detective Pikachu again. All right, All right I got two. I got two. Uh, two comments. So we got a we got an email, and so that's email number. Four. No, we didn't get an email. No, no, no oh, it's a YouTube comment, right? We got a YouTube comment. Yeah. We got a Facebook comment. So the YouTube comment is uh, from Angels of Palo, um, and he says, pausing at twenty seven forty five. That's a timestamp. Says, I think you hit the you hit it on the head here about how the universe is what does the legwork for the film. But I can honestly say, even that was something I was worried about when going into an adaptation because it has some glaring moral issues if you look too long or closely. For that reason, I have to give the nod to how they handled it by not handling it essentially. For instance, how legal battling is clearly a cornerstone of this world and value system, but not this story. Or how there are ecosystems at play, but they weren't Pokemon. They weren't Pokemon uh, eating each other. It took no small wisdom to let it be a spectacle, but left unjustified. As for the curse, I think I like calling it sidestepping rather than broken. Okay, time to listen to the rest of the podcast. Uh, what do you guys think of any of that? Yeah, I think that, I mean, I think we touched upon that some a little bit in our discussion, but I agree, and it kind of pertains to a little bit, I think, when we're going over some of the Aladdin stuff, where they didn't over-explain. They didn't have to flesh out all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Right, we didn't need to know if if you know Pokemon can own property and get married. Are they right. legal? This literally the same as you know human beings in this world. Eh, whatever. Just show us right. the fun little world. Let's not yeah, worry exactly. about the moral implications of how Pokemon battling work. Let's <laughs> just look over here for a while. You know, like, and yeah. that's great because then you don't have to think about it. Yeah. Oh, and I love I, mean, I love how he says yeah. calling the curse sidestepped. By the way, I think that's the yeah. It's, uh, I like that. That's the perfect description. I don't know. Chris, Ryan, what do you guys have any thoughts on that comment? I have not seen the Pokemon movie. <laughs> oh, so. oh, sorry. Spoilers. Uh, no, it's okay. Stuff happens I'm in it. Worried. Whatever. I feel like if I'm on this podcast, I I kind of have to waive my rights to. Well, spoilers. Okay, but you you should go see it. It's a good time. Okay. Uh, all right, and then the next one is from uh is from uh, Aaron Ruiz, uh, Ryan and Sean, your uh, brother-in-law. Um. And then he says, you guys didn't mention the random Home Alone reference in Detective Pikachu. Did any of you catch that? Pointed out to me by Lana Ruiz, you guys' sister. Um, you, I cannot believe I forgot to bring this up in that episode. You guys yeah. know what he's talking about? I feel like when I watched the film, I totally know, but I can't off I can't off the top of my head remember. When, when Timmy goes to his dad's apartment at the beginning of the movie to look for him or whatever... The the uh, black and white mob movie from Home Alone is oh, playing yes. on TV. Oh yes! Oh, totally. I remember thinking, like, what the heck? Why yeah. are they playing the Home Alone movie? Because that's not, that that 
Is that a real movie? It's just a no. movie for, they made for they Home Alone. They made it for Home Alone, and I'm pretty sure Home Alone's not the same film studio as Detective Pikachu. So Is that why? So they just had the rights to No, it, no, so I'm like, saying it's not. I don't think it is. Which oh. means they would have had to get the rights to footage from Home yeah. Alone to put it in that movie. What does that mean? Yeah, I and now it's funny that I'm because I remember watching going what was the re- why did they do that? What it, there had to have been a reason, right? Is there what's the implication? Is is this Home Alone? Does Home Alone yeah, exist wh- in that movie? There's no like characters or actors that are the same are there? There's no, no. Is, is the same director or writer I, I, or anything? I don't do, like I have no idea, but what a uh, what a weird thing. <laughs> what, what a strange thing to put in the Pokemon movie. <laughs> Yeah, I do. Yeah, it's. Uh, I can't believe I forgot that. Actually. Yeah, I can't either. I was ashamed. I remembered it right after we got off of uh, recording the night that we recorded the Pikachu episode. I was like, God, dang it! That uh, I, I wanted to bring that up. But um, anyway, thank you for reminding me because I would feel really bad if it never came up in this podcast. So there you go. Those are our uh, those are our viewer comments for the week. Again, we're not counting them towards the five because they're trying to delay for time. So there you go. <laughs> They weren't official emails. Nope, we need two more emails. Uh, yes. You guys have anything else before I wrap this up? Or um, nope. DJ Khaled. <laughs> Another. Oh, one. that was what I was going to bring up. Dang it, Chris! You, you did it. I wasn't going to do it, but you did it. Uh, yeah, okay. I felt that was hilarious. Like, oh, what a pleasant Disney movie I just watched. <laughs> DJ Khaled! Another one, yes. Uh, okay. Uh, which, which reminds me, uh, yeah. I, he was on SNL for the finale, and I'd never seen him, uh, air quotes, perform before. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, I, and, I, and, I, and I asked Maeve, and then my sister later, uh, is this what DJ Khaled does? Is this all he, is this all he does? Like, he just... Uh, just repeats the same things and then just brings out new rapper. Yeah, that's what he does. Okay. <laughs> this is music. Yeah. Uh, all right. Cool. Well, all right. Well, on that note, uh, I'll go ahead and bring us home. Yeah, is it okay? Can I do it? You can do all it. All right, great. This has been After the Credits of Yumchuk's Podcast, episode 36 on Aladdin. Um if you like what you hear and you want to hear it somewhere else, here's all the places you can hear it. Uh, we are on Podient. We are on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. We are on, now we're on Stitcher. We're on Spotify. And what else are we on? Radio Public and uh, probably some other things. Oh, we're on the original YouTube Yumchucks channel. Um, if you want to reach our show, you can leave a comment there or you can leave uh, an email in our email box by which you can access with yumchunks at gmail.com. <laughs> I'm not on I'm not on my game That's tonight. That's the best way to convey <laughs> that. This is how you access our email. Look, look, I've done, <laughs> I've done this really well in the past. So just give me to All right. So those are all the things. Those are all the things <laughs> if you like the show. Also, if you like the show, you should tell people about it so that more people will listen to the show. And uh, I was going to say I know there's been a few comments and reviews left on some services i know friend of the show kevin clickman has reviewed our podcast on something and thank you and another friend paul arizona has revent or reviewed our show on itunes i believe so we do know that people who are reviewing are reviewing them yes and keep doing it I don't, thanks friends i'm gonna go ahead and, and go out on a limb and say that if you give us thumbs ups or five stars or positive reviews or whatever these review systems are it'll probably help us in some way 
It'll probably put our show in front of more people. So if you like our show, please give us a whatever, whatever positive ranking you can give us on wherever. You're if we get to twenty from, likes, that would be much we'll give a reward. If we get, <laughs> we're not making any. No, no. Wrong. I promise that if we get twenty likes on something, Chris will give you a reward. <laughs> There you go, Chris. A signed autograph picture good. of me. Ooh. <laughs> I think that's pretty good. good. I think that's pretty good. Yeah, actually. And if we don't get 20 likes, we get to break Chris's legs. So. Oh, we were going to do that anyway. No. <laughs> yeah, but he doesn't know. Oh, no. Okay, bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. This has been After the Credits. A Young Chunks podcast.